When everything is going wrong, it's really hard to see the bright lining, but it's even harder when you're not looking for the lining at all. Because if you're not looking for the solution or for what's going right, that usually means that you're looking at the problem. You're looking at what's wrong. You're focused on your regrets or hurts, or you're sharing your skepticism and your doubt. Whether your tone is hostile or somber, overt or subtle, it's called complaining. And while we're all prone to it, few of us recognize when we've started. Fewer still have the patience to put up with it from others. And I'd say that none of us wants to be known as the one who's always complaining. And so we're working on how to stop complaining today on the Woman Pray podcast. And I hope that you'll stay tuned. To the grown woman, pray. To the woman looking for answers, pray to the woman who's busy and just needs a change pray pray woman stop comparing yourself pray stop grumbling pray stop giving excuses stop counting yourself out pray stop discounting god it's time to pray Welcome to the Woman Pray Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Woman Pray Podcast. Before we begin, let me remind you of Woman Pray Mentoring. Now, level two is underway, but you can prepare now for level one, the apprentice cycle, because it begins this month, the month of March. But I also invite you to pray with me at the gathering this month, that is on Friday, March 17th, starting at 8 a.m. If you haven't asked for the day, off, it's not too late. Do it now because we're pursuing our Father without distraction. So make time for the fellowship by going to womanpray.com to register. You might also remember the Empower Me Women's Conference is opening the same night at 7 p.m. and we're talking about spiritual warfare. So if your reality is a contradiction to what God promised you, you need to be present. We can soldier up together. For the first time, the conference will be offered as a hybrid, but I do encourage you to invest in yourself and be in attendance. Be in the room. It'll be worth it and I'm looking forward to seeing you. Now for our episode. If you're someone who likes to state the obvious and you willingly point to facts that just rub you the wrong way, it means that you're prone to complaining. And while you may be able to say, I'm simply outlining the facts or I'm just saying what could be better or I'm just telling you how I feel. Your need to articulate the insufficiencies or failings of others or the need to share your disappointment, your frustration, and your general aggravation may be tolerated by the unsuspecting for a while. But eventually, relationships that you genuinely cherish and appreciate will become strained, even distant, because real talk, no one likes a complainer including God. 
So I hope that you'll hear me today. Your father calls the believer to a life of gratitude, thanksgiving, long-suffering, and humility, which means complaining is not his work in you or his will for you. It's a work of the flesh, a bad behavior, and I'll add that it's the result of a tongue set on fire by hell itself. That's found in James. So when you find it easy to see what's wrong rather than what's right, or easy to find problems instead of solutions, or easy to talk about worst case scenarios instead of the hope that you have in what God promised, that may not sound problematic to you, but as a Christian, it's definitely a problem. Whether you're a proficient complainer or a crybaby every now and again. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Which means there will be occasions when situations aren't ideal. And there will be times when our feelings are super strong. But we can't focus on what's wrong. Instead, we're to meditate on his goodness with gratitude and thanksgiving so that whatever is wrong won't blind us to his faithfulness and love. We don't want to replace appreciation with these distractions and we certainly don't want to accept anything that's trying to steal our heart of gratitude because if we do, it will all become a snare to our relationship with our Father. I think Paul said it best in Philippians, and I'm sure you have it memorized, but it begins this way. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here's the part. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Now let's be honest and let's be clear. Conceptually, we know it, we agree with it, and we can repeat it over and over again. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But in reality, without safeguards, before we know it, each one of us has and will begin sharing what we think is wrong and unacceptable because we don't like it. We'll voice our objections under our breath or we'll whine about our disappointment, acting completely opposite of Paul and sounding a whole lot like Israel who displeased our father. Numbers 11 tells the story of Israel complaining in their homes because they were tired of eating the same food every day. LOL. Now you think that they'd be complaining like our children on a road trip. Are we there yet? When are we going to get there? I mean, here you have a people who have been traveling in the wilderness for 40 years, but they're not complaining about when the arrival time is. They're focused on their belly. And so just a little background, they belong to the living God who's provided for every need they have. He split the sea in two so that they could walk on dry ground. He's given them clothes and shoes that haven't worn out. He's protected them from their enemies. He shepherded their day and their night. And when they're hungry, he sent manna. The scripture says that the manna arrived each morning and it tasted like pastry. The children of Israel were happy with it in the beginning, so, and they were so happy that they were creative in how they prepared it. But at some point, they started focusing on the past, and true to form, the tongues started releasing what was on their mind. 
They started talking about the fish and the melons. Oh, don't you remember the leeks and the onions and the garlic? All from their past and how it was so much better than their present God-given manna. I imagine that lighthearted conversation likely turned into full-blown complaining. The scripture says that they cried in their tents talking about how dissatisfied, discontent, and I'd even add depressed they were. They talked about the past like it was better. And what's interesting is many of us understand. We relate. We do the same. I mean, we'd say, who wants to eat donuts every morning and all day? But remember, regardless of how reasonable it may have been, their words were heard to God as complaining and it roused him with anger. All they were doing was stating the facts, but God was displeased. My sister, God hasn't changed, which means complaining is still displeasing to him. Stating facts may seem logical, especially when we're tired or frustrated, especially when we're ready for change. But when we do, we're outside of the will of God because our mind is not on him, but on everything except him. We're preoccupied with earthly things instead of heavenly things. And Paul says it earlier in Philippians that when your mind is on earthly things, you make yourself an enemy of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory will be shame. Which means our response must change. We must shift from an earthly and carnal mindset to a spiritual one, lest we continue grieving the Spirit of God, unknowingly, but absolutely. So Philippians 2 also says, quite pointedly, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you're supposed to shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. And so what do you do or what do we do when when so many things can be better around us, but it's just not? Hmm. Well, we learn to meditate on the right thing. Complaining is the direct result of what we've begun to think about or what we've begun to brood over. We've noticed something that we can't appreciate or that genuinely bothers us, and then we begin to meditate on it. We meticulously dissect who, what, when, where, and why. And none of the answers, none of the answers to those W's are good enough in conclusion, which then causes our mind or our thoughts to spiral into an explosion of unnecessary and unhelpful words, wrath, tears, or a combination of it all. And depending upon personality and how long we've been brooding over our grievances, brooding over our complaints, and muttering our frustrations, the trash is still here, papers not signed, that stuff splatters on people negatively and changes the whole atmosphere. In fact, if an explosion doesn't happen after incubating frustrations, offense, and fallout and all of that stuff, there could there could be the making of an implosion, meaning mental or physical distress and sickness. So real talk, 
I don't care what your husband promised that he seems to have reneged on or what your children could have done but haven't or what you thought would be better by now but isn't or what they're working against you or around you on your job. As a Christian woman, you must learn to shift. Shift like Paul so that you so that you stop giving your mind over to what's wrong. You, me, all of us, we must stop thinking about and summarizing people's motives with or without a conversation. We've got to stop assuming false intent. Stop rehearsing what may not change. Stop entertaining the disappointment, the frustration, and the harassment. And here's a good one. Stop letting our mind run from one negative thought to the other. It's a setup designed to rob you of the life that God intended, a life of joy and peace. I call those negative thoughts arrows, arrows that fly by day. You can read about it in Psalm 91. They seem to land on the bullseye of issues that really matter to us. But you have to see that as the plot of the enemy who's instigating what's wrong and riling you up just enough to get your tongue going against the promises or will of God for your life and for your future. James says, your tongue is a ruthless evil that no man can tame. So if you can't tame it, you certainly shouldn't feed it. Learn and change your mind. Shift your focus. God is working in you both to will and do according to his good pleasure. But if you're focused on earthly things instead of spiritual, you can't experience promised peace. You'll feel estranged from your father. You'll feel estranged from people. There's no joy because you're waiting for everyone else to change when change begins in you. If you'll shift your mindset, Complaining won't come easily to you, and the hardship that Israel faced will never be your experience. So shift now with a conscious decision to repent from grumbling and complaining and disputing, and then redirect your attention and time to what God said, what God promised, what's going right, what you can appreciate, who is a blessing, and why you are grateful for today. Shift by taking time to list the things you're thankful for. I mean, literally. It's a hard shift that some would say, well, that just takes time, or I'm not ready, or can't change overnight. But let me encourage you. It doesn't take time to walk out of a room filled with smoke. I think we'd all run out no matter how inconvenient. Well, I need you to see your complaining as the smoke distracting you from God's reality for your life as a believer. So run away from it. If your car were about to collide with another, no matter how hard it was to shift the gears or shift the steering wheel, all effort would take place because you don't want destruction. And I'm saying that shifting away from complaining may require all of your effort and every ounce of your strength. It may require a hard clench of your jaw muscle, but it's worth it to avoid destruction in your life and in your 
relationships. First Corinthians 10, 10 says, don't be like Israel who complained and was destroyed by the destroyer. So shifting doesn't have to take time when you understand that the stakes are high. Instead, we learn from Paul who also said to be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I wonder if you say, Jesus, I need that. Notice it doesn't say turn to prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and you'll have your answer. But it does say that you'll have peace in your heart and in your mind. In other words, the stuff around you may look the same today as it did yesterday, but you've shifted. You've shifted so that it no longer bothers you, no longer grates on you. You're no longer so aggravated on a dime that your tongue is set on fire by hell. Like many of you, I can get lost in my thoughts. And once I've concluded on a matter, well, I don't typically change my mind. And so I began to do what I'm encouraging you to. When I'm in my thoughts, after a few moments, I interrupt myself with a question. Who and what have you been thinking about, Quinn? If my entire commute has been focused on places of discontent, then I know that I'm on my way to complaining. So I have to shift. I have to change my focus. The same is true if I'm still awake because I'm thinking about something unhelpful or unhealthy. Um, so I have to shift. If I'm engaged in household matters, cleaning up something, if my thoughts aren't edifying and I don't shift, then I know that I'll be spouting off reckless words very shortly. So I interrupt myself. I shift away from reasons for offense, from the reason for my anger, from justified responses, and I redirect my focus or my thoughts on who my father is and what he's promised me. I shift my thoughts to whatever is true. And I know God's word is truth, according to John 17, 17. And as a quick note, you may not need to fellowship with people during this time of shifting because it's amazing how easy it is to commiserate with folk when you're ready to complain. So again, shift. I shift my mind to thoughts that are noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report or virtue. I shift to what's praiseworthy, just as Philippians 4, 8 says. I look for things in my life that are befitting to think about in each of these categories so I can maintain my joy and peace when my flesh just wants to talk about the problem. When my mind needs to wander to questionable events or responses, I shift to thanksgiving with rejoicing. Maybe turning on worship music as a last resort because when the voice of complaining gets louder and stronger, worship can override it. 
When I'm mired by the questionable decisions of others, I have to shift away from a carnal mindset to judge just like you because my life, my joy, and my peace are at stake. So I choose to be spiritually minded according to Romans. You should too. And when the unavoidable distractions come, and they will come, some with great force, just to keep you in bondage to discontentment. Maybe it'll be from people or maybe it'll be from a situation. Either way, I have to shift and I'm telling you to shift. Shift as hard as possible towards what it means to keep your mind on him, according to Isaiah 26.3. Because as hard as, it, hard as it is, in reality, he, our Savior, kept us on his mind. If you can do this every day, Every day, it not only gets easier to shift away from complaining, but you'll find his promised joy and peace because you're responding to his ways and no longer your own. My sister, Jesus came for you because the Father loves you. So don't waste your days distracted by the temporal and superficial things of this life. Don't waste your days rehearsing what's not right and what could be better. Don't spend precious time thinking about what's unfair and wrong. These things and people, they'll all pass away. So what really matters is how you'll be found in him. May he find each one of us as people who repent when we miss it, rolling our eyes and complaining again. May he find each one of us giving thanks when the temptation to complain is strong because our earnest desire to please him is stronger. And may he continue to work in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure because we are his friend. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are for how you have revealed yourself to each one of us so that we don't have to grumble and complain, but we can call upon you because you are a very present help and because you are able to turn situations completely around. The king's heart is even in your hand. You're able to turn him around. And so we commit our way unto you that no longer would we follow the path of those that grumble and complain. No longer would we follow the example of Israel, but we would follow those who through faith and patience have inherited the promises that you have given. So may we be a people who are steadfast, unmovable, always abounding with our mind on the truth, the truth of your word, where we're thinking on those things that are true, just, pure, and lovely, those things that have virtue and everything that's praiseworthy. May we give you the sacrifice of praise when necessary, but may every day be a day where our mind is on those things that are good and healthy and no longer to those things that cause us to complain. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all of the believers said, amen. Thank you again for joining me on the Woman Pray Podcast. We'll see you next week.